0: Creative Babble. Hey, it's Javier, and it's that time of year. You know, it's October. Things are starting to feel a little spooky. And every now and then I'd like to do a pretend Halloween episode. And so I started talking with my friend Brandon Scheck Schneider with the Southern Gothic podcast, which, by the way, you should check out. Super creepy, awesome, best audio production and podcasting in general and this guy lives and breathes halloween i mean this is like his christmas right (laughs) it's so so brandon (laughs) welcome to pretend we are going to talk about you know ghost stories ghost tours dark tourism haunted tourism is it is it real is it baloney you know let's talk about it and and hopefully we don't ruin this stuff for for everybody
1: i don't think we're gonna ruin it but i I certainly I, i it's wonderful coming on here on pretend because you know we can have a conversation about ghost stories and stuff in a way that's different than I get to have on a lot of other shows and, and, and something from being on the inside of haunted tourism and, and, and giving tour guides out on the, or being a tour guide out on the street and doing these things and researching all ghost stories there's so many inaccuracies there there's so many things there and it's the kind of stuff that i mean you dive into all the time so i, I think this this is going to be a good episode i think oh
0: yeah man yeah cuz i you know i live in north carolina and so i i'm, I'm in, driving distance away from wilmington north carolina Charleston, yeah. savannah I've been to New Orleans, been yeah. to Key West and we've all, most of us have probably done a ghost tour. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, I've been in a, in a hearse.
1: <laughs> like uh, a, a a hearse one of the concert. hearse tours. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and I always wonder, I was like, how much of this is yeah. bullshit. I mean, like, is this real? Like, is it, are these real stories and, and are, are the people who are delivering these stories or do they even know yeah. what they're talking about? So, so that's why I, 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 don't even know what we're talking about today, but I want to talk uh, to you because <laughs> you have the most historically accurate, you know, ghost story podcast
1: out there. I mean, it, it is like- Well, you, you think I do, right? Oh, I think- I've, uh, I've Hey, duped I'm wearing you into shirt dude. <laughs> yeah. No, you're you're right. You know, and this, this is a question that I have all the time. So, you know, I was born and raised in New Orleans, right? So I grew up down there hearing stories all the time. You know, it, it, was, it was just so, that city so steeped in this stuff. Like you're saying, Charleston, Savannah, right? Of course, New Orleans is way better, but that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) So going down there, you know, we, we, you go in the French quarter and you know, there's just full of tours. You want a vampire tour, you want a cemetery tour, whatever spooky ghost tour you want. Right. But as you walk by there, if you actually know the history, it kind of bothers you what some of the folks are saying. Right. And you realize that it's certainly when we were making Southern Gothic, that was something when I initially started the podcast, that was part of it. Here's these stories you might've heard growing up from your mama, right? You might've heard like, (laughs) all right, you know, here's this scary thing down the road. And then, you know, maybe the kid on the street corner or something told you something. It was like, well, what's really under there, right? What really is this? And so, uh, you know, I make the show with my sister who is an archivist at the Louisiana state museum. So she actually works in the French quarter uh, regularly calls me annoyed because she goes to get lunch and she hears some tour guide saying something. Right. All right. And I, and I told you, I would start you off with, with a really good story to really set the tone that's, here. That's uh, you to know, it. one that's like the, 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 epitome of it. It's the one that really we've sunk our teeth into um, it's from down in New Orleans. Okay. So if you head West out of New Orleans and you you go towards Baton Rouge, and you end up on these long concrete bridges. Okay. And they just go over swampland. All right, you spend about an hour and a half getting to Baton Rouge and about halfway between Baton Rouge and New Orleans, you're out in the middle. It's called the Manshack Swamp. And there's this little place there. It's called Frenier. It used to be this town that was there, right? But all that's left there where this town is, they now have a swamp tour. Okay. So obviously this is a company, they make money off tourists coming out on swamp tours. Well, you go get on the tour, you go, you take the tour, you know, you pull up, they got flat boats. They're taking you out through the swamp. And as you're going through the swamp, they have there on the side, on the bank there, this little cemetery. Okay. And a little cemetery, it's got like a wrought iron gate in front of it. And it's got a bunch of heads or a bunch of like, like gravestones. It's really wooden crosses and stuff back there. And they're all up there. And there's this kind of gate over the gate. It says 1915 above. And that's when this town of Frenier was destroyed. And over on the other side, away from the rest, is this other little cross over here? You know, and they they tell you the story, right? About how this is where this is Frenier, this is the people who died here from this, this awful hurricane that back in 1915 destroyed this town. This is a mass grave. But they have that one over on the side that's of someone else who was buried there. And that person is a woman by the name of Julia Brown, who's supposedly the voodoo priestess who cursed the town she's the one that caused this hurricane to come in and destroy everything. Right. So, so of course you hear this on the tour and all, and it makes, it's interesting, right? Like, okay. That's yeah. it's, it's yeah. a crazy story. What
0: time right? at, what time of day is the tour? Usually is it like, uh, you, usually the during the day? day, it's not really okay. at night.
1: Right. And, you know, <laughs> I was picturing you,
0: at dusk. <laughs>
1: it, it could be, it might be really cool if you go down there, but, uh, we, alligators when i have went, it that- was during the day at least there's alligators everywhere it's a fun tour yeah. it's not just about the ghost at that point right yeah. but it's just one of the selling points and of course the company has used this this story to promote itself in tour and excuse me in tv and things right so there have been some tv shows come out there over the years they show the cemetery they tell the story and this is how the story goes okay the story is is that this small town of Frenier it was once this, this, this town of German immigrants out there in the swamp in Manshak swamp, and they were, uh, harvesting cabbage and, uh, and, um, timber. Okay. And they were cutting down the, all the cypress trees at that point in time. And they're out there in the swamp and this particular swamp, uh, there's no way in or out really, except for boat or train. It is a very isolated community at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, but there's this one individual that lives out on the edge of town, a woman by the name of Julia Brown. She lived there with with her husband, Celestin, and she was born enslaved. Her husband, Celestin actually got the land. We know from records, he got the land because he fought in the U S army during the civil war. And this was payment was to have this land out here in the swamp. And so they lived out there for years and years. And as the story goes, is, is that Julia practiced voodoo. She was like a root worker or something like that. Right. And uh, so They were so isolated out there. If folks got sick and, you know, it might take them a week for the train to come to get them to new Orleans. They might go see Julia Brown for healing, for some help, right? Something would happen. And of course, at the same time, she. Became like the local midwife and she delivered babies and things like that. And they say for a long time, The relationship with the community was beautiful. She's a beloved member of the community. Everybody, she was taking care of them, delivering them as children. She's, you know, up in years at this point in time. Like I said, she was born enslaved. This is early 20th century. So eventually, though, her husband passes away. They say sometime after he passes away, her relationship with the town starts to sour. I don't know why. They say, you know, maybe it's they started taking her for granted. They didn't. And, you know, they, they thought that she just, they were entitled to her help. Maybe they just didn't understand what she was doing. Uh, didn't understand her religion, things of that nature. Maybe it was race, but for whatever the reason she starts to sour with the community. And so people started saying when they'd go out to the, her cabin out there in the swamp, out on the edge of town, to go visit her, they would always find her sitting on her porch in a rocking chair kind of hanging out back and forth, singing this one song. When I die, I'll take the whole town with me. When I die, <laughs> I'll take the whole town with me. So, I mean, look, you know, and here's these guys. Growing, uh, right? It's, I know there's this song. You can imagine these guys are scared, right? They live in this dark swamp outside of the city. Here's this voodoo practitioner that they don't understand. You know, I, I bring it. I, I say, this was a German immigrant community. So, it was called Schlosser at one point. So I, I joke, these are people who look like me, okay? Blonde hair, blue eye, S-C-H last names, okay? You know, this, yeah. is, this is what, so all these people like that. And then you have this woman that is entirely different from the community, right? And this said race, religion, all those things factored in. So they're scared to death. What's going to happen? Well, eventually she passes away from old age. She's human. It doesn't matter what religion she practices, right? So she passes away. September 28th, 1915. And so two days later, they have a funeral for Julia. Now, this funeral, of course, this is a small town out in the swamp. They have it in one of the homes there. Have her laid out in the casket up front. And they say there's only standing room only at the funeral. Everyone came. Everyone was there. Whether or not that's because she was this beloved member of the community who delivered babies or, you know, and she was the one who took care of them or all scared of that song right It's yeah. like last chance let's appease her spirit because we don't know what's gonna happen but while they're there at her funeral they say that the walls started to shake and the wind started to pick up and a rain started to come down and a storm started and they didn't realize because they were so all the way out there that a hurricane was making landfall in louisiana at this point massive hurricane this hurricane is the largest storm Recorded prior to named hurricanes. Wow. Okay. 1915 storm. So these people, the walls are shaking. You can imagine they're thinking, remember that song that Julia was singing all those years? When I die, that take the whole town with me. So they're scrambling around. They don't, I mean, they're going everywhere. Some of them may go get. On the they run out they get on the train and they make the train goes about maybe about a mile down the road it gets stopped on the tracks because you got the storm surge right. from the waters coming up the rain coming down the winds are over 100 miles per hour people are getting boats trying to scramble some people are so trying to get away from the waters they climb trees to try and get away from drowning which i mean a, a much more horrific death even because they could hear their family and friends drowning below them so Absolutely horrific scene. And then, of course, the day passed, and over 200 people died in southeastern Louisiana that day. And Frenier has just been non existent ever since. All that's left is a little swamp tour today. There's a little restaurant down the road as well. And that's all in Frenier. So, did she curse the town or not, right? Did she curse well, the town?
0: The timing is impeccable. Right? Absolutely. Here you have this this woman who everyone in town knows. Obviously, it's not a big town, but she, mm-hmm. she's kind of like the center of the town. And here she is. People are hearing her rocking, singing this song. And almost immediately after she dies, the town yeah. literally goes away. I mean, all that that you mentioned. Was, it's it's kind of chilling, right? Yeah. 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 And and. And these are documented things, right? The, well, and a that's hurricane. where I'll go with
1: it. And I, I love the story. I was just thinking about it. as I, I was, love that I was story going through. You did. I remember your series you did a while back, the Santaria, yeah, Santaria. Yeah. Okay, I remember that, and I, I remember thinking about this one as I was listening. Yeah, voodoo. Um, you know, yeah, because yeah, I, I didn't have much exposure to that uh, growing up. Obviously, voodoo was everywhere. But so down, so in this, uh, in the the historic record and all these things, right? What we've done with with kind of looking back at the records and everything is. We know that that storm started to make landfall, and that storm started in Frenier at her funeral. That that is a true fact. There was an obituary two days later that talked about the folks in the community were there when the wind started to pick up. Documented fact. Okay, she's on census records. We have found the land. We know exactly which plot of land she owned. We know she had some children. We know about her husband. Uh, we haven't been able to obtain his his military records. Um, but we know they exist, right? like yeah. we we' we've seen them, if you understand records, like we've seen the the indexes sure. knowing they we just haven't gotten them. But, um anyway, so so you have all these facts line up. But the question then becomes is, well, was she actually practicing voodoo and was this curse? And And so what we've found over the years and the way we study is that stories evolve. It's oral history, right? Yeah. You know, even if she wasn't, in that obituary it never mentioned her practicing voodoo but you know look maybe they just left that part out (laughs) like maybe not we don't even know if she sang that song Uh, exactly you know so so we don't we can't really pin that down you know as we we trace through records and stuff we see in the 70s we find out that you know there was a newspaper article in the 70s where a girl who had survived she was like 12 years old when this storm hit and her and her family were able to get out, uh, she was interviewed in the seventies and she said, no, 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 Julia Brown. She, everybody loved her. There's no way she cursed the town, but you know, she's probably warning us. Okay. And that's what, that was the take yeah. then. So you knew the history at some point in those 50, 60 years had picked up and then you get the TV shows like I was saying. And so now we fast forward and we have this swamp tour. Okay that relies on tourism income and they have this really creepy little cemetery there. Okay. And that really creepy cemetery has no one buried under it. It is an absolute little Disneyland spectacle.
0: What? So that, that cemetery that you Mm -hmm. saw there in the swamp, Yeah, it's
1: a prop it's a prop now crazy enough no joke this i did not see
0: that coming by the way it's a prop i know (laughs) i know i know
1: look you're this is the only podcast i have said that on okay (laughs) because i know your listeners you know appreciate What? what this this is so yeah it's a total prop now this land that they do the swamp tour on we found it really is her land this actually part of that swamp tour is part of the land that her and her husband owned Uh, you know, so it is very accurate that way, but they do, this is a prop there. You can go look at pictures on the internet and everything of it. It's a great prop, man. But no, it's not where those people were buried at all. But if you were to take this tour, they would pass it up. They would pass it up. Yeah. Now, now, depending on who your tour guide is, how much they play it up, you know, that's up to him again. This one isn't a ghost tour spot. However, here's the thing over the years, television has played a very good role in, in, in promoting this tour because they've been on several shows they've been on uh, early on. There was an early MTV show. Gosh, I can't remember now. It was one of these early reality TV shows where people would go to a haunted place. And of course they came here. They were at that cemetery and stayed there at night, right? Is it haunted? So very much played up this. Uh, It's been on again, that weather channel show Uh, recently. There was something called Atlas of cursed places. They came out, they did that. So, So obviously this is a promotional tool for them. Now, as a prop, this is where we get into ethics and and anything else you might want to talk about, about capitalism, right? Are they, what are they doing here? Is that, is that a method for them to tell the story? It's a good way to tell the story and remind this, uh, or is it just meant to be a kind of tourist trap spot, you know?
0: Well, and then as a consumer of these things, you yeah. know, how much stock do you put into these tours? That that obviously they are—it's a tourism company, right? You know, and and yeah. a good story sells, right? So if if the real cemetery, let's say, was I don't know, like a hundred yards deep into the swamp, but it's not accessible by that right. boat, you know, it's like, oh well, we'll just bring the cemetery. To the edge of the swamp you know
1: uh, it sounds like how a horror movie starts let's bring the cemetery on down <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and so it's like as a consumer you have to have a a, a little skepticism you yeah. know but but we want to be scared right we want yeah. that's why we're paying 30 bucks a pop 40 bucks a pop because we want you know to be freaked out a little bit it's kind of like going to a magic show we want to be fooled yeah. What's interesting is that these are real events, like there's a kernel of truth to all these stories, but it just depends on the delivery of the person telling the story. How much sure. are they embellishing it? You know, what what other are, are some other examples of yeah. some ghost stories that maybe were embellished Or exaggerated a bit. I couldn't believe the fake cemetery. Yeah. Well, you know, it's,
1: it runs the gamut, right. And it runs, you know, and and I think that this, this story about Julia Brown, it's, it's fairly innocent in the grand scheme of things. Right. I I don't think they're really, you know, doing too much. They're making a little money off it, but you know, there's, there's ones that are more let's, we we can call them innocent in a way of, it's just, you know, it's kind of gaff. So, so we have, you know, I do tours in a town called Franklin. It's a Franklin, Tennessee old civil war town, lots of civil war history. If there's a place that's haunted, it could be here. Right. And and go to this one building. So I started doing these tours a few years back, a friend of mine, she owns a tour company. Uh, obviously I tell ghost stories for a living. Right. So and she just asked me, can you cover one of the nights? And so I went and learned her stories and all and started doing, it. I've loved it. It's been fascinating. Obviously it's something I've been fascinated with. And, you know, she had been telling this one story probably for almost 20 years. She had gotten it from someone else, another tour guide when she started. And she's a total history nerd that is in the County archives. The County historian knows her by name. She uh, checks everything, but I learned this one story and, and and it made me question it. So it's this little building and they, and I'll give you, I'll give you the, the story of how you would deliver it here. So building it's built in 1821, beautiful, magnificent federal style home, right here, right outside of this small, beautiful Southern Main Street town, right? And the man who built it is a man named Edward Clauston. He was the local pharmacist here in Franklin. He emigrated here from Scotland and he had properties all over. He had a big farm out on the edge of town where his family lived. And Edward was so rich that what he did was he built this beautiful place right here in town as like an after church brunch spot, okay? Like this gorgeous property here. You know, he's politically connected, invited a lot of folks in to come. They say all three presidents with Tennessee ties have dined and danced on this hardwood floor. Okay, so rich dude, rich property, right? But according to the legend in the ghost story, they say that that Edward, he was in a rush to get this property done because he had a special event that was going to happen here. His oldest daughter was going to get married. And so he, of course, was going to have a big wedding. Invited all these people in as he would do. Wants all the dignitaries to see everything. And the night before the wedding, everybody's in town. The church is beautiful, done up, ready to go. And everybody is going to go to sleep in this building he, he just built in town. They call it Clouston Hall now. So they all go to bed that night. And in the middle of the night, Edward and his wife were woken up by a sound out in the foyer. And they walk out on the landing. And they look down. They realized that their daughter, the Mm bride-to-be, had hung herself the night before the wedding. Just awful, despicable. Now, they said for years, all the people here in Franklin, they had this legend. They said that, you know, look, it must have been she was in love with a boy down the road, right? It's Romeo and Juliet's story. And this was an arranged marriage. But in reality, what we know now, looking at records and everything, was, was that this young woman was 17 years old and the groom was 48. So, of course, everybody in the audience now groans. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I heard this story and I've done so many stories all over the South. And I just looked at my friend one day. I was like, I don't think this is real. (laughs) There are so many hallmark stereotypes here. So we went down to the county archives and we found out when Edward built this house, he wasn't even married yet. Mm. So we went further and looked at census records. Edward didn't have any child. Until about 10, fifteen years after this building was built, when he sold the house to the next to the next family, he kept it for like 20 years. I, believe. I don't remember the exact dates, but uh, when he sold the house, most of his children were under ten. So we asked the county historian who's gotten very well used to us with weird questions, yeah, you man. know like you know, we asked the county historian, and he just looked at us, he's like, "Where'd you hear that mess?" Well, hundreds and thousands of tourists have walked past this building yeah. with ghost tours here, hearing this story year after year. And so it, I, I guess it's just an honest mistake that's been passed down. And do you think that it was uh, like a story that just snowballed out, uh, yeah. out of control? Or do you well, think that somebody yeah. just like made it up? Well, okay. So part of it is, you know, and I, I know we're a podcast, so I, I don't know if we'll be able to show a pictures. There's this one picture. Oh yeah, that, we'll, we'll YouTube that, uh, this. YouTube, Brandon. yeah. All right, all right, all, all right. right so.
0: Anytime I have Brandon Schechner, I'm, I'm going to YouTube this <laughs> thing. Yeah, people need to oh, see man. this.
1: I didn't do my hair very nice today, Javier. What? um he has a
0: much better background than mine so uh,
1: it's all, it's all right so they got so we, what we do is we say you know of course as uh, the way it went all right the way the story you know we don't tell this story anymore because it's inaccurate right but it was told for years you know this picture that was taken and you know we, we we talk about this this bride okay this is the way that like you know we're kind of instructed as like an early like what it was um, was you talk about this and, and you somehow slip in there that, you know, they walk down the stairs and there's their daughter, the bride to be, she'd hung herself and she's wearing her beautiful blue nightgown, you know? And then of course, later you, you know, we talk more about the history of the building. Then we circle back after the history and we say, okay, you know, now about, <laughs> about six or seven years ago and, and about six or seven years ago, a, 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 young man was he came to the building it's now an art gallery his mother was purchasing a painting here in the building here okay and she'd heard the story before and she decides she's gonna snap a picture of where that that woman had hung herself because it is a well-known legend through time and it really is a well-known legend by the way people ask about it all the time but she decided to snap a picture of this spot because she wanted to take it home and scare her brother like any good, you know, sibling, teenage sibling. Right. So she gets in the car and she realizes, Oh my gosh, she's thumbing through a picture. It's like, Oh my gosh. And do y'all remember what color nightgown she was wearing that night? It was blue. Right. right. So, all right. So, and we, I, all right, all right. I don't know how well we could, we can see here, but you know, so there's this like image that, that we show people or, or would show people. like I said, we don't do this anymore of this kind of like what looks like a nightgown. Okay. Or oh what- yeah,
0: I see it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you can I see it yeah, see at first. It in-
0: okay, so like uh, for the people listening, there's a staircase, and <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you, you're taking the picture from the bottom of the staircase. It, it's one of those staircases that turns and and, and it has like a landing in the middle. Fancy and, Southern foyer. And it's not a very good picture. You know, it's no. it's kind of uh, like somebody just snapped it. But if you look closely, there's like it it appears to be a lens flare from the light. Yeah. But. But in it's but coming look downward, close, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's not coming the same direction as a light, and it has this bluish, hologrammy
1: hue to it, right? Absolutely, yeah. You yeah. know, I, I don't know how this story started, I haven't dug too much deeper, you know, obviously. You know, my friend was horrified that she had been telling this story because, she, you know, she she's so interested. She's horrified. Oh, my God. It gosh, is a real story, right? It's it was the, the story, story in Franklin, right? Still, well, I mean, it was one of, like, there's one of three. So, like, you know, when people come on a tour, I mean, there's, if you were especially a local teenager – that's one that they'll ask for so i mean i will tell it sometimes and kind of you know rearrange how you know i, I, yeah. I will tell people what you know what it is and all and you know it might have started you know there was somebody on the tour a few weeks ago uh, and and she said that she knew who it was that took the she knew the gentleman who took this you know um a few years back and or excuse me the woman who took this and anyway it, it, you know so it's it, who knows it's just like a local legend it built up that way I say a very innocent mistake in the grand scheme of things, right? Now, 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 as we're throwing props around, when you talk about haunted tours, and this is not something Mike Brown would do. Mike Brown would not have not put up with this. He would have had all the research. It would have been, yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so yeah, let's give a little love to Mike Brown because Mike Brown, for those of you who don't know, he's the host of the Pleasing Terrors podcast, completely different style than Southern Gothic, you know, with Brandon. But uh, Mike Brown, if it weren't for Mike Brown, Pretend podcasts, this, this yeah. podcast you are listening to would not be a thing because that guy, I don't know how he found my podcast. And it was like six years ago. Uh, you know, people don't realize when you start a podcast, you have like zero listeners you know? and somehow, <laughs> yeah. somehow you get from 10 from zero to 10 to 50, you know, and, and Mike Brown was probably one of those 50 and he goes, Hey, I just listened to this great podcast on Facebook, you know, and, uh, on a Facebook group. And he's like, you should check it out. And from that moment on, my show took off. Seriously, yeah. the guy is amazing. And I've had the privilege and you have had the yeah. privilege of going to his Charleston, South Carolina ghost tour, yeah. which I want to promote. What was it called? I, I don't it's have it. It's called in front of pleasing, me.
1: pleasing Terrors. Well, that, look the the podcast pleasing, is called no, Pleasing No, he calls terrors. the tours as well. Oh, you can go Pleasing Terrors tours in Charleston. Yeah. And
0: yeah. it's fantastic. I mean, it's it is really fantastic. And, and the thing is that you know, we were talking about this, Brandon, earlier that – I don't know. I did not fact check everything that Mike Brown yeah. said in his tour in Charleston, but it to me it sounded like he was just telling us factual things had happened. Right. But it was the delivery yeah. that made it spooky. Okay, and, and actually, can we take? Uh, we're gonna go on a little sidecar. We're gonna get back to the we,
1: we are, meander we're talk back about, out in the swamp for a little bit. I'm
0: actually going to ask
1: you about yeah. one
0: of the stories that Mike Brown told me. Okay, and my family. Mm-hmm. and you're going to fact check okay and you're going to tell oh, me no. how accurate the story okay. is all right? all right so and so we were walking around charleston <laughs> my with mm-hmm. my daughters and this was their first ghost tour they were terrified and it's at night and we're walking around and and there's this uh this little street and uh, uh, you know there's this two-story old house uh-huh. it's a restaurant yeah it's called. Pugin's porch, Uh you know, and Mike Brown, and we're looking at it from the side, right? We're not looking at it up front. We're looking at it from far away and there's a window up on the Mm -hmm. second story. And Mike Brown was telling me that there were these two women that lived there and they were sisters, I think. And when they died, the house caught on fire afterwards and they renovated it and turned it into a restaurant. Right. And since then, the police have been called because they, I guess the buildings from next door, they see what appears to be a woman uh, outside the window. And there's all these mysterious things that happen, right? And... That, that creeped us out so much that that's yeah. the singular story that stuck with us. Did you night. go
1: eat there? That's the real. Yes. Part? You did. Yes. So this, is, right.
0: this is where the story comes in because <laughs> it, you're going to all learn yeah. how bad of a parent I am. So, uh, <laughs> so we're like, this was Saturday night. We were leaving Sunday morning, but I was like, we have to get, we have yeah. to go to this restaurant. So I, we, we were the first ones there on Sunday morning for brunch. we get there. And the moment you walk in, you see a picture of the two old ladies that used to yeah. be there. Like they have it like right there where, where the hostess is. And so I snapped a picture of the two old ladies. This will come into play later. So oh, no. so they take us, they take us around to one of the back rooms and and we have You know brunch or whatever and it was great and so we i asked the waitress i said so where you know supposedly the legend and you're gonna fact check Mm -hmm. this right but supposedly the legend is that if you go to this one bathroom Mm -hmm. okay and you look into the mirror you will see one of the old ladies behind you okay so and i asked her i said where is this bathroom and she said oh it's upstairs and you guys should go check it out and so We ate our lunch, our brunch. And then we got up and we went up the stairs and we went into the bathroom and I went to the bathroom. I didn't see anything, but then my daughter, she really wanted to see this ghost. right? So she goes into the bathroom. I take a picture of her looking. Oh no, no, no. She takes a picture of herself, but because we're all under the same iCloud.
1: Yeah. Her
0: picture picture shows up in my phone and I'm outside the bathroom and I quickly Photoshop with a Photoshop app app. Shout out to Photoshop for this one. I quickly Photoshopped the picture that I took from downstairs of the old lady. And I like really roughly put her in the background and turned down the opacity. And Mm. when she came out of the bathroom, she was just looking at all the pictures. And there was like maybe like 50 pictures that she took of herself. And one of them had the old lady and she dropped the phone. And she was so freaked out. And I didn't tell her the truth until like we actually got home, but
1: Oh my gosh. It was,
0: <laughs> it was the best
1: Halloween yeah. ever. Oh yeah. 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 You know. All right. So how much of that that's really yeah, yeah. yeah, how much of that story was real? fortunately you know that story uh, you know i did i did a little mini episode on it you know yeah, recently i love it, that i just I listened did, to yeah. it yeah 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 because that's what I I, I I stole some of mike's stories after visiting and using them this halloween but that particular one I, I don't think there's anything inaccurate there you know really that house uh just a little bit about uh what what is it's beautiful house it's beautiful right. It's a neighborhood right, right? Yeah. And, uh you know they did live there zoe she was a teacher and all and all that right and uh lived at the property the sister they They were, they were, you know, what they called spinsters, right? It was just two unmarried women living in the house, right? And of course passed away and Zoe lived there and uh, she didn't actually die in the house. Um, I I believe she had gone to a nursing home and passed away there. But you know, the, the, the big, the point is when the spirits came back was at some point, I believe it was in 76 is when they opened the restaurant Pugin's Porch. And when they were remodeling in the seventies, they say that's when it stirred up the activity. Wow. Okay. it was those remodels uh the folks who owned it now but you know the, the one that i the reason why i went okay was uh the um uh, my girlfriend is way into animals and there's a ghost dog there too oh yeah that's I why it's that. called Pugin. i didn't she's i didn't like, know that part. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. like oh no we're going to i want i want to play with the ghost dog but uh you know there's there's a little tune there's a, a little right. burial plot for the local dogs Pugin which was the, the the dog it was a local stray that they kind of took in and was eaten off the porch and all people say the dog still runs around between tables but you know you can't really fact check it you know i guess we could call the police department to see if some of those are true about the stories of that you know that's yeah. kind of the local lore there you know it, it is it is a hotel across the street now it was once a neighborhood but i mean it just expanded so much and um you know so the hotel so that's the story is that visitors to the hotel will see a woman on the second floor. And so that you could fact check that or not, but the history sound,
0: but the history. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing that makes a good ghost story is that you have like actual events that happened. They're documented events and it guys like you, Brandon, or guys like Mike Brown who, who really are just great storytellers. Yeah. You know, you, you want a good story and sometimes you don't need to embellish right history much it it, that story of the voodoo lady down in new orleans Mm -hmm. was creepy before they added all the others right yeah yeah, you're like i thought i thought it was creepy by itself (laughs) yeah
1: let's get back to what pretend's all about okay that's right all right so you guys have probably heard of this place it is called the myrtles plantation okay it is considered america's most haunted home that's what people always you know it is the, it's on all the TV shows. It is a plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana. It's right outside of Baton Rouge. Okay. And of course, this plantation, it being America's most haunted home, they say that over 10 murders, or maybe just 10, 10 murders happened in the building. Some of those are documented. Some of them are absolutely documented. Okay. But there's this one story that has gotten really popular there. Okay. Remember, this is a plantation as well. So, very southern ghost story. All right, and so the story goes is this gentleman by the name of Clark Woodruff. He starts running the plantation. His father-in-law actually established this plantation back in 1794, 96, somewhere around there. When when uh, Spain actually owned this part of Louisiana, okay. And uh, so he establishes this plantation. Clark Woodruff is now running it. He married the daughter, Sarah Matilda, running the plantation, just doing all the, all the awful things plantation owners do, right? But they say that there's a spirit that came from this time of this young enslaved woman who walks around the property or appears on the property, and she's got a green turban on her head okay and people have said that they've seen her in different spots there's a classic photo of we believe this girl named Chloe is even over on the property this photo they put on all their stuff and everything so people visit they hear the story of Chloe and who Chloe was was Clark Clark Woodruff uh, supposedly Chloe was one of the uh, domestic enslaved women. So she basically was the nanny in the house. She was somebody who worked in the big house. And of course, as stereotypes go and everything, the way they tell the story is the, the pair fell in love. Right. But well, yeah. now again, this is awful plantation story. So this is obviously it was described as a, a light skinned enslaved woman, possibly of mixed race. And uh, you know, he clearly coerced her into a relationship, right? She was a, she wanted to stay in the big house. This was easier living for her there. Than out in the fields, right? As the story goes, so she has this relationship with the man in the house, this secret relationship. And of course, at some point in time, he gets bored with her. He kind of his interest moves on. He's no longer worried about her. And say she's just have broken hearted, right? Yeah. She's you know, oh man, he's not interested anymore. And one day, you know, she's she's getting really paranoid. She decides to go and listen on the door when he's doing business in his office. And he catches her and catches her eavesdropping on him. So he cuts off her ear for doing that. She's vicious. So so she wears this turban on her head to hide this awful scar. And that's how people see her today. But it continues to go on that she is so afraid of getting sent back out to the fields that she concocts this plan to try and have Woodruff fall back in love with her. And what she's going to do is it's the kid's birthday. Right, it's one of the kids' birthday, and so she's going to bake a cake for the kid, but she's going to be sneaky about it, and she's going to sneak a little bit of oleander in there, which is poisonous, right? She's gonna just enough to maybe make him a little sick. She's going to nurse the family back to health, and then, of course, the, he's going to fall back in love with her, right? Right. You know, he's, you took care of my – you saved my children, right? Well, you know, she does this, and you know where this is going, right? She yeah. puts – way too much oleander in that cake the kids and the wife and all die after this occasion well knowing what she did she of course decides she's gonna get out of the house she rushes out she goes out to the fields and everything and she asks all the other folks out all the other enslaved people out there to help her to help her get away because he's gonna find out and he's gonna come for her and of course they don't want anything to do with her. Right. In fact, they know that if they harbor her, they're going to be in trouble. So they take her out to the levee out there and they hang her for her mm-hmm. crime because they want to make sure that he knows they don't, you know, they're on his, so side. they did not. I, yeah, exactly. So this story is told at the Myrtles all the time, with this famous ghost, this, this woman named Chloe. Okay. This, this, this enslaved woman who had a relationship and, and had this horrendous murder, but, this one in and of itself, there is absolutely zero evidence or truth whatsoever to it, to the point of even the stereotypes in the story uh, have become perturbing, okay? because Was just, Chloe even a real person? Chloe, no, no. Unfortunately, I don't think Chloe's <laughs> real at all. But I mean, just down oh. to the fact, we know some of the things about the story that we can prove. I know. Let's let's talk about the the provable All thing. right. Sarah Matilda, the, the wife, she passed away from yellow fever she wasn't poisoned the kids actually they passed away separate times they the two youngest children i don't know if they're the youngest or the oldest uh, but two of the three children they did pass away within a year of each other but it was months apart likely yellow fever something like that sure, The right. third child lived into her old age had her own family and everything none of those things line up with this part of the story right very which is really the the the, the essence yeah of it's the like story, the heart right? of the story yeah <laughs> yeah. You know, so a lot of people have broken this down. A lot of people go out to the Myrtles. Uh, there's this, this, uh, a, a Harvard pr- professor, Dr. Taya Miles. Uh, she is, uh, studies African-American history. And she actually wrote a book called dark tourism. It's a fascinating book. She came down to Savannah. She uh, was going to write a fiction, a period piece. So she's visiting Savannah. And as she went down there, she went on a couple of ghost tours and goes, what the hell? Like, like this is not what is this right so she went to a couple of these places she went to the myrtles and she really broke down uh, a really eviscerated this the racial stereotypes involved uh what this was you know the, the jezebel character you know that they portray chloe as uh you know and, and what that is and what what sex and stereotypes there and and the mammy character that that would come just these mm. awful stereotypes and you know and what what we know now in looking at it is this story developed likely back in the '70s. A, a woman by the name of Frances Kermin Meyer. She purchased the property, made it an Airbnb, not an Airbnb. This, is, this was the '80s, right? She made it a B and B, an actual an B&B. '80s B B&B. and B. Yeah, yeah, like a, a, an analog B and B. Um, so you know so she of course wanted heads and beds right and how do right, you do right. that you got stories and all and, you know maybe she learned some of these stories from the previous owner maybe not who knows but she wrote a book and everything and this story just took off it was in you know like well, timed magazine and everything they called it america's most haunted home you know and so this story that really we don't even know where it came from It's got this, this awful kind of racial stereotyping that was just so, you know, prototypical for this, this plantation culture to begin with, and and it's gone on. And these folks still continue. I I went and took the tour about two years ago. They're still telling the story, still telling the story.
0: Like you said, it puts, Mm -hmm. it puts heads in beds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole thing with dark tourism. And we're just like, you know, ghost stories, it's just the most, um, the most innocent ways of being a dark tourist. I'm sure there's a lot more like creepy things that people do right. To get.
1: Well, you know, a place like the Myrtles, it it fascinates me that we have a story like that, 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 that can be so false and, and problematic at the same time, because and, man. as I said, you know, yeah. I mean, there's there actually were murders in the building. When a, a man by the name of William Winter lived there, uh, uh, someone came up. These were affluent people. OK, so, I mean, they had money. They were very they were in the community and everything. And uh, one day he goes, answers the door at the front of the house. A gentleman shoots him runs away no idea who has shot him he died on the stairwell crawling up the stairs to go get his wife you know so, so this wow. is a real real part of the story you know so so there's stuff there there are things there not to mention if you're looking for ghosts i'm not telling you ghosts aren't real okay as i was saying earlier you know i'm not saying that i i, I absolutely and when i talk to some of my ghost friends that really get into the paranormal you know they'll talk about it as all kinds of theories and you know whatever, but if there's a place that's haunted, it's going to be a plantation. Think about right. the trauma that happened yeah. at this you know, there's so much there that could uh, could actually cause a haunting if if you believe in that the paranormal in that way, so much trauma, but yet we stick to this really stereotypical story here to try and convince people and they've stuck with it. And that's what kind of the Myrtles can, can give this kind of, kind of thing. Of course the ghost adventures have been there and you know, all the TV shows and just flying in. So, so I say that's, that's kind of, you know, as, as we go down this spectrum of good to bad, I I always feel like Myrtles really capitalize. It's a private owner. It's not a, they're not trying to save the house. It's not about preservation. It's not about anything like that. I mean, obviously they've done a great job keeping the house. Uh, I I don't believe that they have a historian on staff from what I could tell. It didn't really seem like a lot of the stuff was really uh, very well documented. I I could be wrong. So, so please don't come after me. Um, But you know, there, there's a lot of inaccuracies there. It's a wonderful property to visit even. Maybe I'm covering my butt for, for, you know, for kicking their tour or whatever, but it, it is, it's fascinating. It's again, it absolutely could be haunted. Chloe's not real. (laughs) <laughs> right, that's that's interesting because like you're, you're talking about like
0: you know this is not just a little bit inaccurate like the the whole the the main this character one. in the story is not even real uh, yeah. and you know. Uh, before we started recording, you mentioned the Winchester house and that yeah. piqued my interest. Yeah. Do you have time for one more story? No, totally.
1: Yeah. you know, I, I could it. talk about this forever, unfortunately <laughs> for your listeners. Uh, you know, Winchester, that, that really, that, that really is the third element that I'd bring about here, you know, going from Julia Brown and kind of the just minor inaccuracies and all, you know, the Winchester house, it's, it it's interesting because as most folks might know, this was uh, Sarah Winchester. She married into the Winchester family. Right. And so she was the widow of the Winchester rifle, you know? So of course, yeah. uh, you know, obviously this is a big deal. So they say that, you know, that the family was cursed by all the folks who had been killed by the Winchester rifle. Right. And she was widowed and basically uh, the heir to this giant fortune. So, you know, out in California, of course, she has this house that, you know, in her life, what she did was she constantly was adding on to in the creepiest of ways. She had right. an unlimited budget, unlimited budget. She was always building. She never stopped yeah. construction. And there are in this building, there's like stairwells into nothing, they go nowhere, right? doors, yeah. just everything giant, proper, just wild. I mean, it is uh, the things nightmares are made of type thing, right? Well. You know, well, the actual legends about her started while she was alive. So it isn't it it isn't really necessarily something that happened after the fact. Folks thought she was crazy. They believed that she thought that the only way to keep the curse off and, and, and I'm not totally brushed up all the way on it, but was to continue building. That as soon as she stopped building, that's when, you know, that's when it would come back and haunt her or or something of that nature. So, so she just perpetually was building onto the house over and over and over again. She's in the newspapers. They say she was involved in spiritualism and all these things. This was all while she was alive. Well, let's say it was about within a year after her death, it was 1922. uh, She passes away within a year after her death, it gets opened as a tourist attraction. Okay. Because of course, you know, what do you do with this property now? Right. Like, what do you like? She dies. She has no heirs. Really? You know, they're going to, the city, if you go there today, my understanding, I haven't, I haven't visited. So my understanding is that the city is built up all around her. And then yeah. out of the blue, there's this this little property now that seems small in comparison, but um, you know, so it's it's it was a a circus um a circus owner that purchased the building it immediately became a tourist attraction, right? So uh, it's still a tourist attraction. There's a big marketing budget with them. They do all kinds of events. they do stuff. Um they were involved in helping make that that Winchester horror movie, which was horrifically historically inaccurate, right? I was total leaning into the whole thing and all. and you know, but, um, two Halloweens ago, I br- very briefly, I, flirt- I'm not like you, I- I'm not a serial podcaster, but I tried to be at one point. Okay. <laughs> I-, I tried to come out. I did a show called ghost tour. With podcaster. Serial <laughs> podcast.
0: That's uh, going to be on your tombstone. <laughs> that sounds like a t shirt. I'm going <laughs> to make a t shirt. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. your creepy what did, story. What, is,
1: what does your wife call it? Because I'm sure it's more negative, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so funny. But, uh, yeah, you know, I tried to. I tried to make this little podcast. I called it Ghost Tour, and we were interviewing Ghost Tour guides from all the. It was a lot of fun because it was like collecting stories from places I, didn't, you know, I don't. Yeah. You know, and they all had different spins on things. It was fascinating. And it, was a, it was a good time. It was a. It was a laugh. It wasn't like a horror thing. And we actually, for one of our final episodes is um, the historian from Winchester mystery house came on the show, which was this huge get, it was wonderful. Right. And um, she came on and we got to chat with her and she talked about a lot about these things. Is if anyone knew about, you know, Sarah Winchester, she even started working there as a teenager. And then, you know, she's been at this house for like 40 years and read all the personal letters and knew everything. And, you know, she, you know, is it telling us you know a lot of this was this buildup it was this air around her it was uh, even when she's alive and and the reality is even is that she probably was doing this she had she had the people there the, the folks who did construction had families they lived on the property there and it was probably more she was just so loyal to these people she wanted to make sure that they continued to have work and that's kind of you know was kind of this, she's a very kind-hearted woman, and 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 that's what the historian. That's said.
0: so interesting that it turned yeah. sinister when when uh, another way of looking at it was she was just giving people work she's or being a nice woman. I, I thought I I don't know too much about the story, but I when you were telling me that story, I thought maybe yeah. the real story was that they were taking advantage of this rich oh, yeah. woman. But I don't know, I don't know too much about the story, but yeah. you know the thing about ghost stories is that the person telling the story is kind of forcing you in a maze, right? And they're not letting you see the other parts of the story, right? Like they're taking you down this path and you could only see the story that one way. And if you see it that way, then of course there's a ghost story, you know what I mean? But how could there, you know, but then you start, looking at the big picture and you realize that, yeah, it's real life. Life is complicated. Yeah. You you want the
1: gasp. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but the, what the historian said about this thing and about her and, and in that reality was, you know, we continue to lean into it because this is a historic home that needs saving and it costs a lot of money to keep this thing. It is made of wood. And this is, this is a lot of work to maintain this historic property. And so the way that we do this is, is through that it's through visitors. It's through visitors who, who want mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, it's a flirt with this, this, this stereotype. And so it seems like, uh, you know, I say that's much, much more innocent and, you know, a, anyone who's ghost hunting. Okay. Yeah. We really go, we go out of haunted tourism, ghost hunters and things like that. Uh, they actually, they serve like an economic purpose in some regards, you know, a lot and of a people, historical you know, preservation. That's why, too, right? because a lot yeah. of these private places will open their doors up to ghost hunts, and those ghost hunters they'll pay, you know, maybe a hundred bucks a head in some cases, and it'll be a private historic property that doesn't have a nonprofit or benefactors, you know, and on a weekend they could make a few grand from ghost hunters coming in, respecting the property and kind of helping take the case, and so, so there, there's that, you yeah. know, we we th- that's yeah. that's our kind of our gamut on haunted tourism today. You
0: know, that's, that's a super fascinating man. And when you told me this idea that you had, I I, I was like, let's do it. And honestly, before we press record, I had no idea what we were going to talk about today. So I'm I'm glad,
1: glad. as you said, I have to weave you through Javier. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) And I, I was just along for the ride, just like you guys, but you know, Brandon next week, I was going to play Mm -hmm. the pretend vampire episode. I did a, I don't know if you listened to it. it Oh, I didn't catch that one. Yeah, of real vampires. People, uh-huh. especially like in New York, in New Orleans, that yeah. that actually some of them feast on blood, and and right. they consider that they identify as vampires. And so I did this episode. I was going to re-release it for Halloween, yeah. but then you reminded me about the Santeria episode, which is oh, like, yeah. boy, that's a deep cut. That that's like way back early. Yeah, 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 we didn't know. I'd what I we forgot doing back it. then, right? We had no so idea think, what we were doing. I think I'm gonna play the Santeria episode because yeah. I actually would like to listen. I don't listen to my own podcast, but that one's a very personal one for right. me. Right. That's what I remember. Yeah.
1: That's why yeah. I connected with it. Was your your cause it's kind of what I try and do, right? It was like you you knew this growing up. You knew what was like freak you would freak yeah. you out about yeah. it. Yeah, you it didn't was, really know, right? Right. I, I, yeah. I
0: this was actually something that I was afraid of personally. Yeah, you know, like when I when I go on these ghost tours. Yeah, whatever. I'm I'm not that afraid. But right. this really freaked me out. Like even my kids they they see this stuff when they go down to Miami. We could be walking to my grandmother's house and then there's a bag with a dead animal in it like uh-huh. laying in the sidewalk. And I have to explain to them, like, they're like, why is there like this dead chicken or a dead goat's head? No, it was a dead goat's head. That we oh, encountered my gosh. Like, well, I did not see like that. that
1: with voodoo growing up. So I, Yeah, I yeah. Like, this is voodoo, stuff
0: yeah. that we still yeah. encounter, wow, like, yeah. to this day. And, and so I had to explain to them, no, it's like, you know, some people practice santeria. But then there's some people that practice brujeria. And then I tried mm. to explain to them the differences, you know, once santeria. I didn't even know much about it. It's part of my culture. And, and like, I know... Yeah. I know people in my family who practice it, but I just didn't know a lot about it. And so uh, this was like my exploration, yeah. trying to learn about my culture, a part of my culture that terrified me. <laughs> like yeah, it's just, I remember like, it very, that, really it, well. Like yeah. I got chills just thinking about it because it's very scary. But actually, after I was done doing that podcast episode, I learned to really appreciate that religion and the historical aspects of yeah. that religion and and it's not so scary i think some people use it as right Voodoo, as which you know like to, right. to harm people but, but the vast majority of people are not it's just an afro-cuban religion it's yeah it took they took christianity yeah. and they mixed it with african beliefs and you had Santa Dia. so it's a cool episode I, thank you for reminding me i will play that because I think that would be a really cool Halloween episode, but Brandon, thank you so much, man, for
1: for doing this. This is totally
0: years in the making because we needed to to do this at some point, right?
1: I I know, no kidding. I I I never thought I'd find a way on pretend. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Most people don't want to be on my show, by the way. I know that's what I was going to say. Unless it's through the bars, you know, you collect calls. I I didn't think I'd actually make it here. Maybe dupe everybody thinking that I'm into a, a I'm a successful podcaster. Yeah. You well, up. you
0: <laughs> are, and and seriously, if you yeah. have not, I mean, this is the time of year, okay? If you're looking for a podcast and, oh, yeah. and some really good ghost stories, but not not great historically accurate ghost stories, but really well produced. I mean, you're gonna listen to this thing, and you're gonna be like, "This is an independent podcast."
1: Well, and you're gonna look, you're,
0: I, you're gonna yeah, your, yeah. your mind's I, gonna be blown.
1: I'm an audio engineer by trade. That's how I yeah, started yeah, with all this. Yeah. So, I, you know, I was an audio guy and, and I tell people I learned to storytell uh, from recording songwriters and country music and bluegrass. So, you know, I, I kind of I came by this kind of honestly. And, and so it's I, I, I hear awful things with the audio when I do it. But I but of I do know I, do, I was yeah. able to I was able to lean on that trade and in the same way. And that's what's incredible about your show, though. You know, you, you have this incredible way of telling stories because of your trade. And, right. and that's what yeah, well, we do it's, it's
0: yeah. kind of cool that we both come from, you know, some sort of production background that, yeah. where we could make our stories better. But, uh, dude, you're an amazing ghost story teller or storyteller in Thank general. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would, I, some people tell me that they would, they want me to read the phone book that they could listen to. I, yeah. I, I don't understand that, but I, I would, uh, I would apply that to you. Oh you man.
1: Yeah. Well, All I right man well,
0: Brandon thank you so much for coming out pretend and happy halloween right
1: yeah happy halloween everyone good luck out there Creative Babble.